invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 22 and 23. We're going to look at the second half of chapter 22 and chapter 23, so 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, you can turn to page 245 in one of those black Bibles. Thank you. Page 245, and if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give that to you, and so please take it if you'll use it. say that? When do you call for help? Uh, It might be when you may hear the call for help when your child is having a nightmare and calls to a parent and the parent comes and prays and sits with that child. We, We call for help. You may call for help when you come home from a trip and you discover you have three inches of water in your basement. Like that happened last Sunday night, and you call for help. And and help came in the form of several of you. Maybe you call for help when you're getting older, and you need help to get up, or you need help to make it to a certain place. You need help to meet certain needs in your life. You call for help when you're in trouble, and you call for help when you're desperate enough, and you call for help when you feel like you might have a helper. Psalm 54 is a psalm that David put, I was going to say to ink, and I don't know if he used ink, but he put it down in order for a choir master among God's people to someday sing, and it was passed on, and we have it in our Bibles, And in that psalm, he said, and right in the middle, Behold, see, look, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. A few verses later, For he has delivered me from all my troubles. When did David write this? It says in the top of my notes in my Bible that was carried on for, for millennia and I think is accurate when the Ziphites went out and told Saul, remember bad guy Saul, is not David hiding among us? And that is where we are in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and 23 this morning. My sermon message is going to span two chapters. We're not going to read all two chapters, but we're going to look at parts of these two chapters, and I want to summarize and tell you what's happening in these two chapters. But I want you to hear David say to all of us, Behold, look, see, gaze upon, God is my helper. This morning, if you're a note taker, you should have at the back of your bulletin, the bulletin provides... Uh, the back side of it gives you the main points here. You see at the top, there's a summary of the passage. First, we find that Saul kills the priest of Nob. It is a terror, and it is a disaster 
at the, the second half or the majority of chapter 22. And then David saves the city of Keilah, and then Saul pursues David. Let's look at those three real quickly. Number one, Saul kills the priests at Nob. We find in 1 Samuel 22, 6 through 23. Now you remember, David got food and a sword. This is where we left off in Samuel. David got food and a sword, bread and a sword from Ahimelech, the high priest. And Ahimelech was a little nervous because, David, why are you out here alone? And David, But Ahimelech gave it to him and prayed for David. But old nasty Doag, the Edomite, was fine. And he told the whining and insecure Saul, the king, that Ahimelech was helping David against Saul. So Saul goes to the priest, Ahimelech, and he accuses Ahimelech of treason, basically, and says, you, you helped this enemy of the king. He said, I did nothing of the kind. I mean, I helped him, but he's been your faithful servant. What has he ever done, my king? And, and Saul says to his guards, hey, see that high priest and his family? Kill him. And the king's guards go, I'm not doing that. Doag is sitting there and he goes, I'll do it. He's more than happy to oblige. And it says in 1 Samuel 22, 18, Then the king said to Doag, You turn and strike the priests. And Doag the Edomite turned and killed down. He struck down the priests. And he killed on that day 85 persons who were of the linen ephod. We're going to learn about the ephod in a minute. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put in the sword both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey and sheep. He put to the sword. That means he killed them. Now, one of the sons of Ahimelech named Abathar, he escaped and he fled after David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And David said to Abathar, I knew on that day when Doag, the Edomite, was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Now stay with me. Do not be afraid, for he who seeks your, my life seeks your life. And be with me in safekeeping. Tragic story. Genocide to this family. Abathar is the last remaining family member, and he runs to safety to David, and David is grieved, and David promises protection. That's, that's episode one of this story. Episode two. Now David, he's out in, he's, he's out in, the, in the land. He's with his merry men. There are 600 of them now. Now David, now it was told David, some messenger comes to David. We're in chapter 23 now. Now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. Remember, the Philistines are enemies of God. They're idolaters. They hate God's people. They are nasty. They are robbing the fleshing, threshing floors of Keilah, who is a friendly city in Judah. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall I go and attack the Philistines, God? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. 
But David's men, you've got to remember, they've been hiding from Saul, and their lives have been in danger. David's men said to him, uh, Behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we have to go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? So David inquired of the Lord again. God, should I go? And the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah. For I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah, and they fought the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now, the story continues that, remember Abathar, the, the remaining son, the, the one survivor, the Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, he had fled to David in Keilah. He had come down with an ephod in his hand. You say, what is an ephod? This is going to be important. We're going to see this in a minute. An ephod was the, the garments of the high priest. The garments of the high priest were special, and they had special stones on them represent the tribes of Israel, and they were they represented the message of God, where God God's people. Sometimes there was a place in in this vestment, this ephod, there was something called Urim and Thummim, and it was something that was in the vestments of this ephod, where God would reveal His will to Israel when they would ask Him for a big answer to whether they should do something or not. This comes in. The ephod's here. Abathar brings it. Okay, let's follow the story. Now, it was told Saul. So Saul, remember Saul hates David. Saul's so jealous. Saul is so insecure and he's paranoid like anyone could be. And Saul, it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah. And Saul says, God has given him into my hand. God's done this. For he is, he knows about Keilah, he has shut himself into entering a town that has gates and bars. So Keilah, he knows, has walls and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Keilah in order to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abathar, the priest, would you bring the ephod here? Then David said, with the priest helping him with the ephod, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul comes to seek, comes to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah, who I've just rescued, by the way, will the men of Keilah surrender me and us into Saul's hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come. He will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender. So then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and they departed from Keilah. They got out of there. They went wherever they could go, and when Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up his expedition. And David remained in the stronghold in the wilderness 
in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph, and Esau sought him every day. But God did not give him into his hand. So get this, David rescues the Keilites, their city. They've been plundering by the Philistines. David and his men go there. They, they rout the Philistines, take their cattle, get them out of there. Victory, Savior. Saul is coming after him. God, are, are they coming? Yeah. Are the people that I just rescued going to give me up to Saul? Yeah, it's either you or the city. So he runs. And God protects him. Episode 3. Saul pursues David. And we find in the rest of chapter 23 a, a quite an interesting story, but I want you to see how it begins. So David, verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. He knows this. David wants to kill me. My father-in-law wants to kill me. The guy I worked for was faithful to. The guy that's over Israel wants to kill me. So David is the anointed of God. God's going to make him a king. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horeb. Now look at verse 16. And Jonathan, remember Jonathan? And Jonathan, Saul's son. Saul can't find David, but Saul, Jonathan's name. Saul's son rose and went to David at Horeb. And it says, and he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, David. This is Jonathan speaking. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I'll be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horeb, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites, the Ziphites, David's in the wilderness of Ziph, the Ziphites went up to Saul of Gibeah at Gibeah and saying, Is David hi- is it not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horeb, on the hill of Hatali, which is south of Jeshimon? Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into your into the king's hand. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, by Yahweh. For you have had compassion on me. Poor me. You had compassion on and you found him. Thank you. Go and make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is. And who has seen him there? For it is told me that he is very cunning. See therefore and take note of all the lurking places where David hides. And come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you, and if he's in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And so they arose, and they went to Ziph ahead of Saul. So here's the ending of the story. So David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, that's somewhere in Ziph, and in the Arabah, in the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him, and David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David, his men, on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. It's, he, he's, he's moving and he's hiding because Saul keeps closing in. It says at the end of 26, 
as Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture David, a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. Therefore that place was called, for Saul returned from pursuing after David and he went against the Philistines. Therefore that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. See what's happening here. There's a lot happening here. We have David. He's on the run. We have David, and you could the contrast couldn't be sharper. David's in the wilderness and Ziph, and you got Saul the king. He's out there chasing him. David is the anointed king to be. Saul is the anointed has been. David is seeking God in his will. God won't talk to Saul. Saul is running and trying to figure things out, and he's listening to evil men give him messages. The Ziphites go to Saul and report David in this area. David saves, and Saul kills families. David saves tribes and cities. David hears from God, and Saul hears from the wicked people. As we come into this story, I just want to bring out a few things. Because it's in the midst of these stories that David sits and writes down Psalm 54. Behold, God is my helper. He upholds my life. He's delivered me out of all my troubles. He says, look and see, gaze. Behold, God is my helper. God helps David by providing him in all his troubles. These passages must make us look at the same God that is front and center of this passage. Even though the human characters might seem central like David and Saul, it is Yahweh, it's God that is over. And we must look at these stories and we must say, who am I in the story? We must not jump to conclusions and quickly say, I must be David and I'm just, I put myself in David's shoes, I'm like David. Sadly, sometimes we are too much like and we might find ourselves tragically like Saul. None of us are like David unless we have come to realize that we could never be like the real David, the greater David, Jesus, who this David's foreshadow will come and be the helper of his people. So how does David get provision, or how does God help David? There's, there's a lot of ways, but I want to just highlight these three ways that God helps David. I think they tell us a lot about how God can and chooses to help us, even though it's different. We are not the king of Israel or anointed king of Israel in the land with prophets and with high priests and with that has an ephod with messages from God. But we have something greater. I want you to see in this passage that there is a great, great principle here. God is the helper and provider of his people in all times. That message is rung through and through Scripture, but I want us to see these three ways in the story. The first way is that God provides by speaking to David. Secondly, we see God provides by giving David a friend at the right time. And third, we see God provides through providential deliverance. We see him speaking, giving a friend, through deliverance, providential deliverance. You see, David wrote in Psalm 34, we saw this several weeks ago, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Can you relate? Can you feel that? But the Lord delivers them out of them all. 
Let's see the first one. God provides by speaking to David. At the end of chapter 22, I, I want you to see how each one of these things, David is greatly discouraged, and God brings power. Have you ever felt greatly discouraged, and then you look back and you go, but God got great, brought, brought me great power. I was discouraged here with the three inches of water, but God kept, brought me big power. And for you, it might be something so much longer and deeper and heavier and wet in your, in your life. At the end of chapter 22, David has to feel so discouraged. He had, he had fled and he's run to Ziv, I mean to Nob, and he gets, the, he gets Ahimelech killed. And David is, David is now sitting in the wilderness with his 600 men, and Abathar shows up, and Abathar says, my dad and everybody else died. 85 of us, and the city was plundered by Saul. I wonder if David just went off and fell on the ground and said, I have repented. He says here, I have chosen to do death. He's really discouraged. I occasionally do death. I can't do anything. I'm supposed to be the king someday, but I, what can I do? Saul wants to kill me. I've got 600 men, but we learned in the chapter before, these are all disgruntled, indebted men. These are people with problems. They're now with me. I love how David responds. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. He inquired of Yahweh. He said, oh God, help me. And the Lord said, he gave him an answer. The men thought it was were afraid, and they and they said this is a big deal. So David goes back to God. God, so David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered. When you're in trouble, when you are surrounded with troubles and pains, emotionally, out, externally, internally, do you inquire of the Lord? One of the great encouragements of this passage is the presence of God speaking to David. God was not silent to David. God didn't give him a silent statement. Instead, God spoke and gave revelation. We don't know how he gave revelation or short or word. It may have spoke through a prophet. He might have spoke directly to him. We don't know. Later on, he gets to ephod in verse 6. So God revealed his will to him and said, Go to Keilah. I'm going to give you victory. You're supposed to do it. And so in the midst of what could have been a pity party for David, David goes and he cares for a city and he routs them with God's help. But then we find in this story that he's in trouble again in the very city. How discouraging. You just rescue a people and then word comes to you and you hear that Saul is on his way and you think, but I'm in a stronghold. Saul can't get me. Maybe. And someone says, yeah, do you really think the Keelites are going to keep you here and protect you? They know what happens at Nob with that family and that city. They're gonna, they might surrender you. It's like, really? David cries out to God through the help of, of Abathar. And what a gift. David needs a word from God, and God gives him a word. God gives him a word through the ephod that wouldn't have come unless a family was killed. And the ephod comes with Abathar, and David cries out to God, and God says, yes, they'll surrender you, and yes, Saul is coming. So David... 
David and his men leave. They run to the woods. They go to the wilderness. God gave him words. God gave him message. God gave him revelation. And God gives us access. Oh, we are a people of the book. We are the people. We are to be people of the Bible. The church is a book club. It's a book club that has been given to us by God that we is not like any other book club because those any other book club does not bring spiritual life. This brings life. This God's word created the universe and God's word creates human souls. And if you have not been created by his word, you're not saved. And this is our life. This is our grace. This is our mercy. And David experienced the power and the health and the help. God is my helper. God spoke to him and led him and directed him. And so God is. The Bible is a, a path to our feet and a guide and a light to us. And the Bible most importantly points us and is centered around the one who is called the Word, and that is Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh. We sang this a couple weeks ago, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, he has laid in his excellent Word. What more can he say than what he has already said? Who unto Jesus for refuge has fled. God's Word is our book. We, we have a more sure word. This word is your light. This word is your hope. This word is a great and precious promise. God does not primarily and ordinarily speak to any of us like he spoke directly to David. He does not tell us that we should take out dice or coins and say, God, if, it's, if you want me to take this job, I'm going to flip it, and heads is the way to go. Heads is take the job, tails is it, you flip it. And you do best out of three, best out of five, because you want. It's not how God chooses to, to reveal his will to us here. He, he reveals his will by working his spirit in our lives. First of all, to have right desires, so that our desires will desire the right things. And so we must search our hearts and say, oh God, would you with your word help my conscience to be shaped by this book, not by other things. Help my desires and what I want to be shaped by this book. But, oh, God, you are my light. So often, some of the practical decisions we'll make about jobs and other things like that, there might be three or four good decisions. God is going to bless all of them, provided that our hearts are completely bent towards him and saying, but your will be done, God. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. One of the most glorious promises about this book, though, is this book isn't a dead book. And it is meant to speak to people that have been dwelt with the author and the breather of this book, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives life to this book. The Holy Spirit gives life to our eyes and to our hearts to wrestle with it, to understand it, dig into this book, and understand and know this God. This book isn't so that we can learn a bunch of Bible facts. This book is so that we can learn and to know the God of David. And the God of David is the God that is going to reveal himself through the great Savior of our soul. Our God is our helper, and he will be your helper this week, and he will be your helper this year. And he will be one of the ways in which he will help us is he will give you his word because he has given you his word. He will not leave you in silence. You can, in the night, pick up your Bibles and wrestle to the Psalms. You can in the morning pick up and read in the Proverbs and plead what God will show you. Oh, 
That is one of the reasons why we are to gather on Sundays and we listen to the preached word because his word gives us life. God is our helper. And David says, God is my helper. He gave me words. He gave me guidance. He did not leave me alone, but he gave me his message. And I want you to see this. Check this irony out. So David gets message through a bad situation, and that is Abathar losing his entire family, running with an ephod, and having to escape to David. And oh, that becomes the source of God's great encouragement and deliverance to David. God's in control. Second, second point, God provides by giving David a friend at the right time. God provides by giving David Jonathan at the right time. We've seen Jonathan in the storyline already. Jonathan is the son of the treacherous king, but Jonathan is so far from dad. Jonathan is so much more like David. Jonathan is like is following Yahweh, not the sin, not Saul, his father. As encouraging as it was to receive this word, it must have been really discouraging at this point. You can imagine, so David gets the word, yes, got to run from, but he ends up having to leave Keilah, and now he's in the wilderness again with his men. He's in the hideouts. These are not comfortable places. It must have been encouraging to get God's word, but it's not encouraging to have to run again because of treachery by the people you just rescued. It was like they were saying, thanks for nothing. Why is this happening to me, David must be wondering. So he heads to the wilderness of Ziph, and at Horus, Horus, something beautiful happens. Saul's son, Jonathan, rose and went to David and said, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You're going to be the king. I'm going to be next to you. That's the only part that didn't come true. Saul, my father, also knows this. And it says here, he strengthened his hand in God. He strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan is the friend, and his friend is Saul's son. He comes and he strengthens his hand. You know that God does this for us? God does this in our lives. He sends friends and he sends the church. The church is meant, you are part of it, not just pastors and deacons or leaders. Oh, they must be the Jonathans in my life. No, you are meant to do this. But in this case, God brought help to a wandering David through a friend who came and he encouraged him. Not in his friendship. He didn't encourage him in other things. Ah, this could get better in the future. He strengthened him in God, and we must do that as a people. The church is to be a means of functioning this provision in each other's lives. Remember what God has promised in his word. Young lady, we tell our students, God has promised us he's going to never leave you or forsake you. In fact, Quite often, his work, he shuts certain doors and he opens others, and he is so good. We are to be that for each other. Parents, to your children, you are to be that friend that strengthens your kids in the Lord. Older siblings, brothers and sisters, you are to care for those under you, and you are to strengthen them in the Lord when they're struggling, not provoke them to sin more. Some of us need to do a better job. God help us, and he will, to take on an attitude of Jonathan that said, man, I, I'm just, I, I could help strengthen that person in the Lord. I, 
can encourage them. I can help them. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore encourage one another and build up one another. Hebrews 10 says we should gather and we should gather often in order for us to meet together to encourage one another. See, God is helping David. It's God that's helping. That's why he sings, God is my helper. See, look at what Jonathan did, but God is my helper. God sent the son of my enemy to show up and give me grace. I could have despaired after Tila episode and Avatar episode, Jonathan came in. Have you had those experiences in your life where God came in and you look back and you go, oh, I would have just caved in, but that came in my life. That person, that text came in the mail just at the right time. That person called me or texted me or wrote me messaged me, he came over, she came over. I needed that. I needed that word. God is helping us. David is helped by Jonathan. It is a picture though. It it has to, we can't help but see that there's a picture in scripture that there is no friend like Jesus who comes to those that are in covenant with God through Jesus. And he meets all of their sorrows. He helps us in our weakness. He is our friend. I want you to see the last point there. God provides through providential deliverance. This is quite an ironic ending. So you find David. David is saving God's people against the Philistines. Now the Philistines are going to do him a favor. They don't mean to. But the Philistines are going to save David from Saul. So we find that God provides through providential deliverance. This is a God thing. Have you ever experienced what you call a God thing? It's a cliche. We overuse that. But here it is, a God-working thing. So Jonathan has been there. He leaves. You think, okay, let's stack some good things up at one at a time. Have you ever felt that way, God? Why, why are they just stacking up bad things? God gives grace. He sees Jonathan. He... Abathar's family gets killed, bad, bad thing. Then blessing, God speaks to him and helps him save Keilah, but Keilah surrenders him. Then Jonathan comes. Now, those Ziphites down the road, I was hiding, and they were watching me, and they, they're just nosy, busybodies, and they thought they could get in favor with the king. The king didn't even ask them. They went over to the king and said, hey, by the way, David's hiding around us. I'll show you where they are. David Saul goes, yeah, will you look out? and spy out all his secret places. He's really cunning. Now in this story, I need to just pause here and say, Saul, have you noticed something about Saul? If you've been pondering this, twice in this passage, in chapter 22 and now in 23, Saul goes, God is compassionate to me. Oh, God has been good to me. May God bless me. God is blessing me finally. He, he, is, he is really pious, and he's actually religious. He, he says, oh, may the Lord bless you, because you're helping me, the Ziphites, and you had compassion on me. We, we can be like that so often. We can be so blind to our ways. We, where we are living towards our ways and our plans, our agendas, we, we are self-deceived. It's me first, my pity party, my priorities. And Saul thinks that he is the man in the right when he's not the man in the right. Saul goes after him. And David is 
David is out of options. It's like, I know that this, unless you watch reruns, you have, you'll watch it recently. I remember when 24 was on. And after end of every episode of, you know, hundreds of episodes of 24, every episode of 24 ended with a cliffhanger. He's about to get caught or killed or something like that. And boom, he gets delivered into the next, next scene and the next episode. It feels like that. David is about to have the noose come down and go around his throat, and he's gone. And what happens? Saul, we've got to leave, David. You have bigger business. Your, your land is getting plundered. we got to go. And he all sits there and he goes, that wasn't coincidence. That wasn't luck. That was God. We call it providence. We see it's his providence deliverance. It is his working the affairs of life for his glory, for the good of his people. And notice how deliverance comes again at the hand of everyone's enemies. Nobody is for the Philistines. But God says, I'm in charge, I'm going to use them. This is the God that we look to. This is the God that was David's helper and could be our helper. God works in mysterious ways, wonders He performs. He works through unanswered prayer. How many times have you had unanswered prayer? I, I trace different storylines in my life, and I say it's this thing that hurt me so bad, and I hated when this happened. I remember when those stories, and I look downstream of the storyline in my life, and I go, but if that didn't happen, A, B, and C, and D wouldn't have happened. The branches of my life wouldn't have gone out this way, and this would have wouldn't have happened, and I really like this. God has brought this in my life, and if it wouldn't happen unless this really difficult thing took place in my life, and I look back and go, I'm so glad I'm not in charge. The Lord is my helper. He upholds my life. He delivers me out of all my troubles. If you're, sit, if you're here and you're an, you're an unbeliever and you're not a Christian, this God isn't for you right now, but He can be. He, he, in fact, if you're not for, if you're not in Christ Jesus and made covenant with Him, He He will still win in the end. You cannot thwart His plans. The Bible says you are an enemy of God, but He gave His Son to turn enemies into His sons and His family. If you are a believer here, if you are Christian, no matter what age you are. The Bible amazingly tells us that us sinners are rescued and turned into sons of the truest David. And God helps us like this. He helps us with his word. He helps us as a friend like no other and helps us by working all providence for our good. Not a hair of our head will perish apart from God's goodness. He says that he will work all things together for our good. And he defines that good. And he says, wait, but I love you. Trust me. See, would you behold this God? Would you be, don't, don't behold your technology. Don't behold your Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or something like that as your helper. Those things will not help you. They will give you a short relief and numb you from this great God. Behold our God. He is good. He is great. He is glorious. Let's call on him. Father, I, I pray that you would help us to look to Jesus Christ, our great hope and our great helper, our 
great shield and our defender. Thank you that you humble, you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. You light our lamp, but you, Lord, are the one that can't carry the God who lightens our darkness. For by you we can run against the troops, and by you we can leap over walls. We, you, your way is perfect, O oh God. Oh God, I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd help us to be a people here that so know and love and live resting in this God, trusting in this God, looking to this God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. His name I pray.